0: Okay, wonderful. Well, I was thinking the other day about how I would describe my family. (laughs) I was thinking this because i have been out somewhere with my family and I thought, I wonder how people see us. How would I describe my family? And so I wondered how you see your families, or did see your families, depending on where you are at the moment. How would you describe your family? Maybe a quick little, you know... Minute of thinking, chatting if you want to, conferring or not. Oh, kind and caring. Is that because you're sitting in the middle? <laughs> kind and caring. That's nice. Any other words? Involved. Mm, that's a good word, yes. Yeah. We have lots of ways to describe families. Some of them we would see is very positive. Some of them, depending on where we are, might be slightly negative or a little bit chaotic or, you know, things like that. But we have lots of words that describe families. And we could say what our family was. Some of us would say our family is very broad and wide. Some of us would say our family is very small and is made up of certain people. But most families would have a boundary of who would be in the family and who would not be in the family. If you were asked who your family members were, you would list off a few people, and that would be your boundary of people. What I find amazing about the family of God is it's not just this church here, those of us who are here, not just those of us in the village churches, in fact, not just those of us in churches necessarily, because God's family is amazing because it's an open family, a family that's not just got a boundary around certain people, but a family that is open to all people to come and be welcomed and be invited and join in. There's a passage that we've read a few times recently from the Psalms, from Psalm 24, and it says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, not just those who we might describe as God's family, but all people, all things, everything belongs to God. And we're going to worship him this morning as we gather together, beginning with a song that encompasses that. Praise him, you heavens, and all that's above, everything. Praise the Lord. In the book of Romans, it says, At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We've been working our way through the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. We've, um, we've, we've defeated the walls of Jericho, That wasn't hard. God defeated the walls of Jericho last week, and we're finally coming to the end of our little mini series before the summer break. Um, And I'm going to read from the towards the end of chapter six, just after the walls of Jericho have come down. And um, gosh, I thought I thought thought something. Just the just the Bible, not the walls. Um, And the people have gone in to defeat um, the Canaanites. And then this is what happens after that, starting at verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, that was uh, back a few chapters ago, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and bought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They bought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel.
1: Then they burnt the whole
0: city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lived among the Israelites to this day. The story of the rescue of Rahab is a remarkable story, and it begins back in chapter two. If you weren't here um, on that day when we looked at chapter two, you will um, not know, or you might know, we will from that passage, that Rahab was, of course, a prostitute. She's referred to many times as the prostitute. I often feel quite sorry for her for that, but that's the How she's referred to. She's a woman who lived in Jericho and who, when the men of Israel came to spy out the land when they were sent by Joshua to have a look round and they found themselves in trouble in Jericho, she took them into her house, the two spies. She rescued them from the hands of the king of Jericho. And in rescuing them, these Israelite spies who were the enemies of the Canaanites, she took it upon herself to hide enemies in her own home. She took it upon herself not only to do that, but to lie to the soldiers of the king of the city that she lived in, saying that they weren't in her home. And she took it upon herself to let the men, the Israelite men, out of her window so that they could escape back to the Israelite camp. What she did could have cost her her life. It would have cost her her life if she'd have been found out. It was a very brave thing for her to do. But before she let the Israelite spies go, she asked these men of God to reciprocate her kindness, she asked that they would come back and rescue her when they came to destroy Jericho, that they would not let her be destroyed as well. And we're told that the reason that Rahab did this was because despite her upbringing, to see Israel as the enemy, despite her culture in which she lived in the city of Jericho, and despite the lifestyle which she lived, despite the fact that she was a Canaanite, living in Jericho, she'd realized that the God who the Israelites followed was greater than any God that she had ever known or worshipped or heard of before. In her words, she says he is the God in heaven above and on the earth below. In other words, he's greater than anything. She wanted to be part of what he was doing. She wanted to follow the God of Israel. So now in chapter 6, when the Israelites come back to destroy Jericho, when the walls come tumbling down, and the Israelites go in to kill everyone and take everything, Joshua sends the spies to make good on their promise to Rahab. So that even though Israel devoted the whole city to the Lord, destroying with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys, they were ordered to remember Rahab the prostitute. And they went in to rescue her her father as well, and her mother, her brothers, her sisters, and all who belonged to her, her entire family. And not only that, they didn't just rescue her and then say, there you go, we've done what we said we'd do. They took her to a safe place outside the camp of Israel so that after the destruction of Jericho had taken place, they could bring her into their lives, bring her to live among the Israelites, where it says she lived until this day, until the day the story of the fall of Jericho was told. And as we mentioned earlier, because this happened, because she was brought into the camp and she lived among the Israelites, she then became an integral part of Israel's history. She wasn't just some woman who had come in with her family and they put up with her. She became part of Israel's history that lived on forever. She finally appeared in the genealogy of Jesus at the beginning of the book of Matthew, part of the line which led up to his birth. In the middle of it, There is Rahab, the prostitute. When we think about it and how God brought her into his family, it's an amazing story. He could have used anyone to rescue the spies. He could have used anyone to keep them safe. He could have rescued any family, but he rescued Rahab, the prostitute, and placed her at the centre of the line leading up to Jesus' birth. It's an amazing story, but more than that, it's a story that shows what it is to be the people of God. It's a story that shows what it is to be welcoming and accepting and loving. It's a story that shows what it is to be God's family. He's ever-growing, open to all family. Because, you see, for Israel to welcome the likes of Rahab into their lives, not simply to rescue her, that's okay, we can do that, but to welcome her and let her live among them, it would have been quite a feat. Rahab, after all, as we've mentioned a number of times, and are going to do again, was a Canaanite prostitute. She wasn't simply a woman from another tribe who happened to believe other things and live different ways. She was a Canaanite. She was an enemy of God's people, and she lived a life of prostitution. In other words, to the Israelites of the time, she was the epitome of what it was to be an enemy of God's people, to be against what God stood for. She was all they hated in lifestyle and tribe and culture of the day. After all, they were ordered to destroy everything else, everyone else. And in their eyes, she was probably the worst of the lot in Jericho. But despite this, they welcomed her, partly because they had promised to. She had rescued them, and so they rescued her. But then following that, they also invited her to be part of their family. They invited her to live among them, and her family, and everyone who was connected with her. This woman who lived a life far from theirs, but wanted to follow God, was welcomed with open arms, into the family of Israel. And you know, it's an amazing story, because in this story it shows that even as far back as the Old Testament, we see what God's family was intended to be like. Before the time of Jesus, where we all talk about love and acceptance, before all that time, we see what God's family was intended to be like from the start. Even in the time of Joshua, when they were out to conquer the promised land, that's what they were going to do, go in and make this land their own. In this story, we see how the family of God was supposed to act. We know that they were to be a holy people, set apart, living lives different for God, a separate people who weren't to integrate with other gods. We know they were to be a people devoted to one God, the true God. But we also see here that never once were they called to be an exclusive people. Never once were they called to be a people who closed their doors to everyone else and said, this is how we live. This is what God wants. You have to jump through all these hoops to come in yourself. They were never the type of people who limited the type of person who could come in and be welcomed among them in their search and their quest for God. Because in this story, this tiny little story at the end of the conquering of Jericho, we can see what God's family should be like, not only in the Old Testament, but then followed through through Jesus in the New Testament and then followed through through to today in our time. I saw a a tiny clip of DVD on the internet the other day, um, which is called London is Open." And I just want to show it to you this morning. It's a response to um, what's been happening recently and how our country seems to be more closed. And that was posted on the internet. London is open. London declares itself open to all people of all cultures everywhere to come in. London declares itself as a leading light to welcome people. Having lived in London, this is so typically London, we welcome everyone look at us. And it is amazing, and it is brilliant. But you know, as far back as the time of Joshua, this is what the people of God were called to do. It's not London's idea. It's not London's thing. It's God's idea. This is what the people of God were called to do. This is what the family of God is called to be like. And in all honesty, at the moment, I don't really think that that's what people see the people of God as being like. It's certainly not the first thing they would think if asked How would you describe the people of God? And yet this is overwhelmingly what God is like when we look in the Bible, when we read about him. This is overwhelmingly what Jesus is like when we see how he treated people, the things he did. In fact, Jesus told a little collection of stories in chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke which illustrate this point. They're all collected together, there's three of them, and they're all about lost things. There's the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son. All things and people who were lost. And the point of these stories is not only that when things were found, there was great celebration, wonderful celebration, parties, gathering people around to celebrate these things that were found. But more importantly, to start with, these things were actually lost. They weren't simply mislaid or misplaced. You know, the lost sheep wasn't sort of hiding behind a bush and the shepherd sort of knew where it might be and was having a bit of a look around. Or the lost coin wasn't just out of view and the woman thought, well, I think I've put it here. Or the lost son hadn't simply gone away for a while, all the time thinking he might come back. These things, these people, were all completely and utterly lost. They couldn't, for the life of them, find their way back to where they'd come from. They had no way of knowing where to go. One of them was a coin. There's no way a coin could find its way back. The sheep was totally and utterly lost. And the lost son had told his father that he may as well be dead. He didn't want to know him anymore. He was lost. They were completely lost. And the people who had lost them searched and searched and searched and searched for them. They didn't just, oh, I'll have a look now and then I'll go back later. The shepherd went and left all the other sheep to go and look for that one. The woman searched and searched her whole house. The father stood and waited and looked and searched and waited. They wanted these things back. And when they found them, they rejoiced. They celebrated. They had a party because, you see, these stories represent what God feels towards people who are utterly lost, not people who are sitting there going, oh, well, I'll, I'll read a bit of the Bible and then maybe I'll... People who are lost, people who have no idea that there is hope, no idea that God is real, no idea how much they're cared for and loved for. People who are totally, utterly lost. And the church is designed to be the place that the lost and desperate people are able to access so that they can meet God, so that they can be welcomed in, so that they can make their home among us. Just like Rahab did. And not just people that we might like, but that have gone astray a bit, or people that we might feel sympathy for because their lives have had terrible things happen, or people that we can easily accept because we empathise with them, but people that we might find that we struggle desperately with. These are the people who the church is designed to be open and welcoming to. All people, people who live in totally opposite ways to what God would desire and want. Because at the end of the day, as we read at the beginning of this service, the world is the Lord's and everything in it. Not just the bits and the people that we find okay, but all parts and all people. And God is the God of all. All things and all people. I want you to watch this um, song, this clip of video now, and just sit and think about God's openness to people and our openness to people and how God is the God of all people. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're going to sing our final song together. How deep the Father's love for us, that Jesus should come and die, that we might live again. Let's stand together and sing. So as we go from here, may God bless us and keep us. May we be a people who open the door of his love to others. May we be a people who know what it is to live in an ever-growing and expanding family of God. And may we know his love this week and forever. Amen.